I turn your attention this morning to Judges chapter 16 and verse 21. Judges chapter 16, the Old Testament, verse 21. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God and to rejoice for, for they said, Our God hath delivered Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country which slew many of us. It came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson that we may make us, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house and he made them sport. One translation says, entertained with his ineptness. And they set him between the pillars. Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. And the house was full of men and women, and the lords of the Philistines were there. And, and there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once. <laughs> Two other translations say that he prayed, remember me one more time, O God that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and of which it was borne up, the one with his right hand and the other with his left. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines, and he bowed himself with all of his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein, so that the dead which he slew at his death were more than that which he had slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtael in the burying place of Manoah, his father. And he judged Israel 20 years. Our subject this morning is simply the prayer of Samson. The prayer of Samson. You may be seated. Just four small chapters in the entire Bible contain the interesting story of Samson. Samson is one that we perhaps have heard of, Sunday school story in the Bible that resonates with all of us. But Samson is not just some fable, not some made-up story like the story of Hercules or some Greek mythology. Samson was a man who lived and died and perhaps was the strongest man that ever lived. Not because of his own abilities, but because he was born gifted. He had talents and abilities that he did not earn. Samson was gifted because of the prayers and faithfulness of his parents. You see, his mother was barren and she could not have children, but one day his mother was visited by an angel and it was told her that she should dedicate herself to the Lord and not to drink any wine nor strong drink and not to eat any unclean thing and that she would have a son and he would be a Nazarite, which was 
a commitment that people made to be spiritually connected to God. And part of that Nazarite commitment was that he would not have his hair cut. And the angel told Samson's mother that Samson would deliver the children of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. This gift from God was based on the faithfulness of Samson's parents and the favor of God. It appears that faithfulness and favor are part and parcel to each other in the Word of God. When we are faithful, we have the favor of God. You may not ever have your name in lights. You may not ever, you know, be on the billboard out here on I-95. You may not be some great soul winner. But if you can just be faithful, favor of God will not pass you by. He starts out his life with favor, and very soon that favor was followed with anointing. Judges 13, 24, and the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. The child grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. In the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtael. It is important to remember this exact location. It will not be the last time that Samson visits this spot. I want to stop and say this for just a moment. The Lord believes in landmarks and in fact instructed the children of Israel to establish landmarks for significant events. And then the Word of God says this, remove not the ancient landmarks. I'm glad that we all have significant spiritual landmarks that's based on where God touched us maybe for the very first time. Maybe it was in this altar. Maybe it was in your house. But you never forgot that place where the Spirit of God moved, touched you. Some of us have miraculous landmarks where the Lord healed us or protected us. There's a place on Interstate 75 in the southbound lane between Gainesville and Ocala where the Lord saved my life after being hit by a drunk driver and flipping two and a half times in the air. There's not a cross or a floral display at that spot marking the site of a death or a tragedy, but there is a landmark in my heart and in my mind. And when I go by that place, I say, thank you, Lord, for saving my life. It's a landmark of where the Spirit of God moves. There is a testimony that marks a moment in time, not just for me, but also for you. It is that place of remembrance. It is at this point in Samson's life that we read about a series of missteps. Samson, with his supernatural strength, was able to bring the enemy of God's people to their knees, but he was not able to conquer his own demons. He had a gift, but he did not have the wisdom to appreciate the gift. One of the things that Samson always seemed to falter on is living according to principles that he had been taught by godly parents. He seemed to find a way to get out of sticky situations, but every time that he did this, it convinced Samson not of God's power, but Samson of his own apparent Superman nature, that he was indestructible, that he could get out of any situation, but Samson lacked a crucial survival instinct. He did not have good discernment. He enjoyed a challenge, but he did not handle the success of that challenge very well. 
Judges 14 starts out with Samson going down to Timnath, a city in the Philistine area. First of all, we see this. He starts going to places that he does not belong. And it just goes downhill from there. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter if you can quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You and I do not need to go to places that are not going to benefit us spiritually. You say that, oh, pastor, I can handle it. I'm going to go down here. You can't handle it. Samson couldn't handle it. There's numerous examples in the Word of God. You're a human being like me, and there are certain situations that you need to avoid. He sees a girl that he likes, and he tells his parents that he wants them, them, his righteous mom and dad, to get her for him to marry. And apparently, they accommodate him. Because before we know it, a wedding's being planned. Can I just stop and say this for a moment? Just because a person is gifted does not mean that we should accommodate them to violate biblical principle. It doesn't matter if you can sing like a bird. If you're living like a devil, you don't belong on the platform of a Holy Ghost-filled church. It don't matter if you can play musical instruments. It doesn't matter if you've got the gift of charisma. None of that matters. All God needs is a vessel of honor. We should never allow talent to trump character. We ought to always be people that say, by the blood of Christ, I am what I am, not by my own ability, but because of the grace of God. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. So I believe that a strong argument can be made that a gift requires even greater discipline. Samson was on his way to visit his girlfriend in Timnath, and a lion jumped down at him. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now for the second time, Samson immediately snapped the neck of this lion with his own bare hands as only he could do. And then it's interesting that Samson does not share this with his parents. Perhaps he does not want to startle them. Perhaps he does not want to discourage them from endorsing this union. But the fact remains that he now decides to keep the testimony of the power of God working through him as a secret rather than an opportunity to worship God. Can I say this to this great church this morning? The miracles that God does in your life on a daily basis are not just for your own personal comfort and well-being. They are given to you for you to broadcast them of the greatness of God. They weren't by happenstance. They didn't just some wild coincidence. God was working on your behalf. God saved your soul. God protected you. God made a way where there was no way. You ought to tell everybody. You ought to tell your friends and your neighbors. Don't keep it to yourself. When we cease to testify or at least recognize the hand of God in our lives, we are setting ourselves up for defeat. When he returns later along the same trail, he sees that the honeybees have built a hive in the carcass of this dead lion. He decides to make a riddle from this very interesting situation. The riddle that he creates is this, from the one who eats came something to eat. And from out of the strong came something sweet. The gift is now turned into a joke when God is not 
glorified. Samson goes on his merry way, kicking a rock and skipping along like a schoolboy, thinking not only about how strong he is, but also now how clever he is. Only Samson misses God's object lessons. Bees do not usually set up camp on the carcass of a dead lion. Usually the jackals and the vultures clean out the remains. They are God's cleanup committee. Only God kept them out of this picture so that he could send a message to Samson. Maybe Samson will see the lion, how strong he is, how powerful he is. Maybe Samson can relate to the lion. Samson got the message that the lion is strong. He got the message that something sweet and good came out from something strong. But perhaps he missed the fact that it takes a death for the process to begin. Ladies and gentlemen, some things that God wants to do in our life can never start until we die out to him. Until we pray and say, not my will, but thy will be done, oh God. He presented the riddle to his wedding party groomsmen. If they could now solve it, they, they would get 30 brand new linen robes and 30 fancy robes. But if they couldn't solve the riddle, they would have to give them to Samson. This shows us right away that he's using his gift now to play games with the enemy. Another violation of a biblical principle. The Bible says it this way, don't cast your pearl before swine. If I can say it this way, don't throw your gift into the garbage can of public opinion. God gave you a gift not for your own pleasure, but to glorify God, to edify the body of Christ. The world will use up your gift and throw you away when the gift is gone. I, I saw, I told the early service this, I saw a documentary and I was coming back from Nepal in the airplane on Whitney Houston and they had uh, clips of her as a teenage girl singing in a, in a church and singing under the anointing of God and they followed her life and interviewed her friends and all that happened and they kept going back to the place that Whitney Houston recognized but only too late that her gift was from God. The world will take your gift and they will merchandise it for their, for their purposes. It doesn't matter if it's for money or for fame. In the end, if you don't use your gift to glorify God, you will lose your gift and your life. What a sad conclusion as this gifted woman dies of an overdose of drugs and now even her daughter dies because of an overdose of drugs. The devil has never played a fair game. Gave his Philistine groomsmen seven days to come up with the answer. He assumes the Philistines will play fair, but they didn't. They threatened Samson's fiance and her dad and the family. Said, if you don't find out the answer from Samson, we'll burn your house down. The enemy is not a fair sparring partner. That's why you and I should never try to engage in a battle with the enemy. It never has been a fair fight and it never will be. She pulled out all the stops in an effort to learn the answer from Samson. She begged and whined and cried until Samson couldn't stand it anymore. Finally, on the seventh day, with his nerves shot, he gave in and told the answer. She told the groomsmen, and they answered the riddle just in time to win the bet with Samson. This infuriated Samson. He realized what had happened, and now for the third time, the spear of the Lord comes upon him again. Ladies and gentlemen, can I say this to you this morning? As you go through the story of Samson, you'll see where the Spirit of God keeps coming upon him, though he's far away from God's will. 
You and I should never be fooled by the fact that we can feel God. That that means that God is endorsing our behavior. If we don't live by biblical principles, you may be able to feel God. But that doesn't mean that God's hand is approving of your lifestyle. The only way that you and I can gauge that is by the word of God. Churches across America are filled with people that can feel God this morning. But yet their life is not in total surrender unto God. Unless you die out to Christ. Unless you totally die out to Jesus Christ. All Jesus. All nations. All in. Fully committed unto God. This game will continue. When he comes back, his father-in-law-to-be has now given his daughter, Samson's future wife, to one of the groomsmen. Samson comes back after some time and finds out his wife has been given to another. He says, I'll fix this. He catches 300 foxes. Apparently, he's not only strong, but he's very fast. And then of the 300 foxes that he catches, he takes two at a time and ties their tails together. Now, that's a bad dude that can do that. And if that's not enough, he puts a torch in between their tails and ties a knot and turns them loose into the fields. And it's harvest time in the Philistine area. Land is full of corn, ready to go to harvest, wheat and grain. And these foxes are running around with their tail on fire, tied to another fox, burns up, I can only imagine, acres and acres of land and crops. The Philistines are so mad. That was their livelihood. They find out what's happened. They tell the story. There's a man from Timnath. He, he had a daughter. They were supposed to get married. The man gave this riddle. And this guy is uh, not a Philistine. His name is Samson. I've heard about Samson. Samson kept of his end of the bargain. But when he came back, this man from Timnath had given his daughter to his companion. And now he's so upset, he turns these foxes loose in our fields. And the Philistines say, We'll make matters right. And they go down there and they burn the house of this lady and her father, all their possessions, and they die in the fire. And Samson says this in verse 7, Though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you, and after that I will cease. This is the mistake that we as Christians make. That we can play the devil's game and jump out anytime we want. That we somehow decide when it's over. Ladies and gentlemen, don't fool yourself. This is not a game where you decide the rules. This is not a game that you decide when it's over. How many people have missed their opportunity to come to an altar and repent because they said, I got one more thing I got to take care of. And then I'm all done with the world. I just got to get a couple of things lined up and I'll be back next Sunday. Oh no, my friend, you better not wait till next Sunday, next week, next month, next year. You better make up in your mind right now. I'm done with the devil. I'm done with this world. It stops right now. It stops today. 
Samson goes down to a rock and the Philistines send a thousand men after him. They come to get him. The Bible says they camp all around near where the tribe of Judah camps. Judah's his own people. And they said, Samson, what are you doing? You brought down a thousand Philistines. They're all going to come and kill us. We're going to bind you up and turn you over to them. He said, that's fine. Just promise me you won't kill me yourself. He said that for their protection, not for his own. They said, okay, we make an agreement with you. We're just going to come up and put some ropes around you and then lead you down off this rock, hand you over to the Philistines. Is that okay? He said, yeah, that's fine. So he leads them down to the Philistines. The Philistines are all so giddy. They're so happy. A thousand people standing around, soldiers, helmets, shields, swords, spears. But once again, now for the fourth time, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And he breaks the rope like their threads, like their strings. And he sees an old dead carcass of a donkey, an old dried up jawbone. He picks that jawbone up. And with just the jawbone of a donkey, and the Spirit of God upon him, he kills a thousand soldiers with spears and swords. This is not made up, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Word of God. You would think at this point he would recognize God has given me another break. But from here he goes to Gath, which is another Philistine city. He keeps going back to places he ought not to go. Now he goes in and sleeps with a harlot, and the Philistines see him, and they, they plan on killing him in the morning. But in the middle of the night, he goes to the gates of the city, which have now been locked and sealed up to keep him inside the city so that in the morning they can take his life as he lays with this harlot. But in the middle of the night, I don't know if it was God that woke him up, the Holy Ghost, I don't know what it was, but something happened in the middle of the night where Samson gets up and walks down out of that house and walks down that street. Perhaps he can feel the eyes of those in the alleys looking and watching. His garment is up over his head as he walks stealth-like down that street comes to the gate and here's these massive gates that are locked and sealed up and Samson gets up underneath them and takes them and picks them up puts them on his back carries them out of the city up a hill to add insult to injury and plants them on the ground like an astronaut putting a flag on the moon, walks away. Once again, his life is spared. And once again, Samson does not get the message. Once Samson got out of this mess, he went right back to the same kind of problems. Now he's chasing Delilah, who's also a Philistine. Philistine leaders say, Delilah, you can get the secret of this man's strength. We don't know what to do with him. He's terrorizing the whole country. We'll give you 1,100 pieces of silver from each of us. She started betraying him, trying to get the secret to his strength. He'd put his head in her lap, and she would say, Samson, you're so strong, powerful. Samson, if you really love me, you tell me the secret of your strength. And he'd lay there and get all googie-eyed. He'd look up at her and say, 
If you just tie me up with seven green vines that have never dried, I'll only have the strength of an ordinary man. He's so comfortable lying about his gift. He'd fall asleep, and when he'd wake up, he'd be all tied up, and Delilah would be shouting, the Philistines are upon you. He'd shake himself and break those vines. And whoever was hiding in that house, representing those Philistine lords, they'd all scurry back to the room, under the bed, out the back door, wherever they came from. Because that was not the real secret of his strength. And his strength remained. Now most of us, you and I, that have any sense at all, once we'd had that experience, we'd say, you know, Delilah, I think I'm going to break up with you. <laughs> Things are not looking too good. But no, Samson goes back and puts his head in her lap. I'm going to tell you what, sin will make a dummy out of you. You will do the craziest things. Most of us would be like, look, girl, you're not very trustworthy because when I wake up, there's ropes around me and the enemy's coming after me. Samson, he didn't have the sense of a horse fly. He'd go back to her and then she'd say, Samson, you mocked me. You embarrassed me. You didn't tell me the truth. I think Samson would say, yeah, and you weren't real truthful with me either because when I woke up, I was tied up like a hog and people were running in. No, Samson went right back to the game. He didn't tell her, you tied me with ropes that have never been used before. She would do that and he would break them and everybody would scurry and run. And then she asked him again and now he gets closer and he says, if you'll weave my hair seven locks and put a big pin in the top of it and he's getting closer to his secret. She did all that, same thing happens, same result. He shakes himself, comes to his power. But then verse 16 says, And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Can I tell you this morning that the devil is relentless? He's not going to just hit you one time. Every day he's going to come at you. You can't serve God on just a once-a-week fill-it-up station of the Holy Ghost. you got to have the power of God working in you every day. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Woo, I'm so thankful for the Spirit of God. That's not confined to just this building. But if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got overcoming power within you. urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Verse 17, he told her all his heart. She just wore him down. Said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarene unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go for me, and I shall become weak. Oh, the enemy wants to know the source of your strength, my friend. How do you stay faithful in the midst of temptation and trials? How do you stay strong when others give up? How do you do it, apostolics? Tried to tempt you with money, tried to tempt you with immorality, and yet here you are in church, worshiping God. Devil's thrown everything he's got at you. Tacked your family, tacked your health, tacked your finances. 
And yet here you are in the house of the Lord saying great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. What's the source of your strength? We'll tell the devil what it is. We'll go ahead and tell him what the secret is. Here's what the source of our strength is. Here's what it's always been. And here's what it will always be. It's the covenant. It's the vow. It's the commitment. It's the relationship. It's not the fear of hell. It's the love of God. It's the promise that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. It's the vow that's the source of my strength. Now, the enemy comes in like a flood and Samson cannot fight back. His strength is gone. They take him to a torture room in Gaza and they gouge on his eyes with fiery rods. Time to a grist will. And they make him do the work that prior to this only an ox would do. He grinds the meal day in and day out. His eyes gone. Turns that wheel with every last ounce of strength left in his dying body. His back breaking. His veins bulging. Sometimes his captors would bring VIP guests to come see what has become of the great Samson. They would mock him and laugh as blind Samson fought with the wheel and with his own regrets. Samson, you were chosen by God. What happened? He has to fight those demons in his mind as he turns that grist wheel. Nobody, nobody took notice of the fact that his hair started to grow back. He cut out a level. Go after the Holy Ghost. Philistines didn't know that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They were serving day God. They didn't know the Jehovah God. Who lives by the principle that as long as there's life, there's hope. So one night from his dark dungeon of terror, he could hear the large crowd that had gathered on the grounds over there. The temple of Dagon. Philistines had gathered to worship their god, Dagon, that was half man and half fish, sort of a male mermaid. They were drunk and high and full of evil. Then someone in the fog of their own self-induced folly got the idea that they should bring Samson up. Bring him up from the prison and let him stumble around here and entertain us with his ineptness. And in their intoxicated merrymaking, they didn't recognize that this broken man still had a God that is all-powerful. That the Bible said sits upon the circle of the earth. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. So maybe one of us or two of us or five of us this morning can remind the devil that though we may be broken in our bodies, we serve a God. That is triumphant. And every battle he's ever fought, Samson is so pitiful, a young man is leading him with a chain like you would walk your dog. 
Samson is so helpless, there's no reason to even put a guard on him. He's so pitiful. He's so pathetic. Boy, must have felt bad for Samson because he stood there. The text that I read to you, the boy held his hand. A little lad holding the hand of the shell of a man. The great Samson. And with all of this crowd of 3,000 people in this temple of Dagon, shouting and hollering as they jeer him and spit on him and mock him and throw their drinks at him. And God only knows what else they did. As the Bible said, they made sport of him. Samson leans down and maybe he has to shout in the ear of the boy, can you lead me to the pillars that support this house so I can lean on them? He's going to lean on them all right. With the help of the lad, he finds himself between two giant pillars and he puts a hand against each of them. Nothing is left in this broken vessel. All he has now is his darkness and the loneliness of his memory of what it used to be like. A memory of picking up the gates of the city of Gath and marching out to find death. The memory of killing a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a dead donkey. The memory of honey from a beehive inside the dead carcass of a lion. But now as he stands there in the frailty of his flesh, the object of unbridled scorn puts the pieces together finally and he gets the revelation that God can bring victory out of death I didn't see it with the line I didn't see it with the jawbone of a dead donkey but now that I stand here on the brink of death I realize God can do anything. So he just prays a simple prayer. Lord, just one more time. Remember me just once more. Give me strength just this once. We all got a little bit of Samson in us. Now the enemy of your soul stands over you, jeering from the fact that he's won a few victories in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not over. The miscalculation of the enemy is that God can bring new life when we die out to our flesh. Is there anybody in this place that can pray the prayer of Samson? Just one more time, God. Hear my prayer. Just one more time, Lord. Heal my body. Just one more time, God. Forgive me. Pastor friend of mine had a father-in-law that was a mighty man of prayer. The miracles are without number. One of the patriarchs of the apostolic movement, but for 10 years, he suffered from Alzheimer's, not knowing who he was or who anyone else was. Everybody in the church just tried to tolerate him, make him comfortable as best they could. Only the shell of a man that he used to be. But one night, not long ago, a young girl at the point of death was rolled up to the altar area of that church. She was at the brink of death and they had brought her to the church for prayer. My friend who pastors the church went to his wife and said, I feel led of the Holy Ghost for 
for you to go and ask your father to come pray for this young girl. She said, honey, are you sure he's He's sick. You know the condition that he's in. He goes, I know. It doesn't make sense. I'm just telling you what I feel God is asking us to do. She goes back and she says, Dad, do you mind coming up to the front of the church and praying for that girl in the wheelchair? The little man broken over with age and time and sickness comes down the aisle with his daughter, the pastor's wife. And in front of that church, that little elderly man who for 10 years has suffered from Alzheimer's, put both hands on that young girl. And he said these words, Lord, hear me just one more time. Just one more time, God. Heal me just this once. The pastor said that young girl came out of that wheelchair and never went back to it because we serve a God of just one more time. You may be weary in your body, but if you can pray the prayer of Samson just one more time, Lord. Would you stand to your feet? I'm not, I'm not saying, God, I deserve it. 3,000 people in that building. The lords of the Philistines gathered. That building collapses. The Bible says in his death, Samson had a greater victory than in his life. The chapter concludes with Samson's relatives coming down and taking Samson's body back home. The Bible says that he took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel. Does that sight sound familiar? It was the place where the Spirit of God first came upon him. He returns to where it all started. You remember what it was like, don't you? When you were first saved. The sky was bluer, the birds sang louder, your smile was bigger, your joy was deeper. Can you find your way back to where the Spirit of the Lord first came upon you? It's not too late. Say, but oh, pastor, there's too much water under the bridge. More than Samson's bridge? What excuse are you giving yourself today? There's no obstacle on God's side of this equation. He stands with arms open wide. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Just one more time, God. Just one more time, God. I wonder if there's some folks here this morning that'll step out from where you're standing come down to this altar and make this a place of remembrance. I remember when God first saved me. I remember when God healed me. Come on, I've got to come back to that place. And I'm going to pray the prayer of Samson this morning. And I'm going to ask God just one more time, Lord. Hear my prayer. 
I'm not going to wait for a more convenient season. I'm not going to wait until all the voices of opposition are in agreement with me. God is calling just one more time. Just one more time, God. I stand before you today and I'm asking you, God, will you hear my cry just this That's it. That's it. Lift your voice up to God. Hear my prayer today, oh God. Hear my prayer today, oh God. Forgive me of every sin, Lord. Cleanse my heart, oh God. Renew in me a right spirit. I'm asking you, God, for your anointing just one more time. I'm asking you, God, for your miraculous power just once more. Yes, Lord. 